0: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall guy.
1: That's what the poster said.
0: See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to
1: make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG 13. Starting. All right, we're live. All right, can you hear me? Yes. Yay, technology has been defeated. So this is Heath Caps coming to you guys again from Fake Teams, and I am joined by my partner in crime. We're gonna let him pronounce his name for all of the masses. Say it. I am Haji Blackburn. So, do I like slide it with the end there, or is it like more staccato, like just Haji? quick, real or, quick. Yep. All right. Perfect. Sweet. I nailed it. I freaked out a little bit on solo pod. Like, all right, I just butchered it, and then no, he's not gonna do this do <laughs> this just podcast with me now after i after i killed it so <laughs> I, i'm gonna ask you about it like i talked about fandom brewers thing um still even though we've written it, fake teams we're still kind of Brewers fan does that do you live in milwaukee um i live in wisconsin not not milwaukee um actually okay all right
0: just south of green bay so between green bay and milwaukee um Yeah, a lifelong Brewer fan. Um, I remember as a kid going to County Stadium with the um, obstructed views. We would sit behind some pillars and not really be able to see much of the game. But, you know, as a young kid, you really don't care. It's about being there. Um, And I'd say mid-90s when they, you know, broke ground and on Miller Park, it was a real baseball team that wasn't just going to be owned by the commissioner and run by the commissioner. We would would have something there. And last year it started coming together, so hopefully we – we ride that wave and get back to the postseason like we did with uh, the days of Prince and Cece and Granky.
1: Yeah, you guys. Um, I've been before we started. I sort of feel like we're starting research a little bit early. Enough by reading basically like the whole Twitter feed of MLB trade rumors, which is really knowledgeable or really uh, informational, by the way. But it, so, are you buying? Like, are you buying a pitcher? Do you know? I I don't take. Jake Arietta I mean, point,
0: At this point, I really don't know. I, I think the Brewers are strong into Arietta, but I also don't know if I would want Milwaukee to go that route. I think he could be successful, but they just haven't had some real luck with buying pitchers. So um, I'm not sure. I, I think they're in on Arietta, but we'll see. It's been such a quiet winter.
1: Yeah, yeah. Motivation for him is in innings, I think. He's definitely yeah. not somebody that. I- that I'm looking at I think he's not like
0: the, I think a team like Milwaukee would pay him his asking price too uh, kind of that extra tax to have to go play in Milwaukee a smaller market team and I think that would be the motivation for him is you know to sign that last long-term deal and get paid
1: I don't, I was mainly I was looking like where where is you darvish gonna go because I know he's the he's the last shiny piece now that Garrett Cole is is all snug in Houston. Of riches for all you Houston Astros fans. One of which I talked to today. You know who you are. (laughs) But one of my friends just moved to Houston, Uh, so he's like, "Man, the World Series was fantastic." Like, yeah, I hate you. Um, It's been a long, long go with the Braves, but we—I feel pretty good about it. I like like all young talent. There's so many trades that would work out. I was talking about this on Twitter today. There's so many trades that would work for us. Arlands, but it it it's bad that they're in our division i feel like most teams you know like if i'm the braves yelich is an obvious fit for atlanta because we need some corner outfield help real muto behind the dish but like do we really want to send some young young up-and-coming arms to a division team that's also like in rebuild mode do not want to do so it's frustrating it's like man they happen to they just happen to be an nle team. christian yelich instead of marcus no offense to Marcus he's been
0: <laughs> so. But what are your thoughts then on uh, the beginning rumors of Yelich to Atlanta and Miami, saying that trade talks would begin with Acuna? Uh,
1: other people chimed in too today. Like I think the trade is even. I really do. We had to give him up to get Yelich, who's already a proven commodity. I think it. I think it's even. I also think you have a fan base that's waited on him for, for years. The idea of giving him up when you've waited on him seems counterproductive. Um, land Yelich and not give up, and not not give up your stud. Maybe give up some pitching, which any team in rebuild mode would need. The Marlins could obviously use. So I don't know. I don't. I don't think they'll give him up. I think we'd be more likely to to land land Real Muto or uh, just stand pat. Which honestly, if I were the GM, I would just. It makes sense to me to just kind of chill out and not get in the way and not mess it up like you added some veteran pitchers like let the young guys grow up a little bit i think we're i think we're definitely going to be better this year all he's got to do is just stay out of the way and not mess it up so there's no reason to go like trading the farm away in my opinion not yet
0: so so for the for the braves you know you have albies and swanson up the middle Um, you have some at bats under swanson's belt what is a successful year for a Braves fan this year, where where do you want to see him this year?
1: Uh, all right, as a Braves fan, I would prefer a winning record and at least top-card spot. I think that would be a victory over what we have done in the past. Obviously, it would be a victory. Um, I don't know if there's a small goals. Maybe I'm too pessimistic or realistic, but I don't think saying that we're going to all of a sudden contend is ridiculous. So I'm just gonna if we if we're you know in the in the conversation. For at least a good portion of the season, I'm I'm feeling pretty good about that. Uh, if we're way far out of it, it would at least be nice to be over 500. So sure. small goals for the Braves this year.
0: Sure, I think it's I think that's realistic though. You know, just improve that record, build some confidence for some young stars, and um, you know that was that was kind of how Milwaukee was last year. You know, you were looking for an improvement, and they were about a year ahead of schedule. So I think a similar year this year, or finally getting over that last weekend of the season and getting into that playoff spot would be a success for the brewers and their, their fans as well.
1: For a brewers fan, I definitely felt like we're in the same boat, sort of hoping we have the sort of year this year that you guys did last year. So I don't think our teams are too, too split apart. So, all right, that's, that's fandom. So if anybody is tweeting at us or uh, conversing in some way, when you the brewers (laughs) and the braves um it's where our our expertise is
0: but it's also where our feelings are too
1: oh yeah definitely some emotion although it's i've like deadened it over the past few years because expose yourself to things that cause you pain that's not very intelligent so that's too deep for a podcast so uh, i wanted to talk about like preferred formats and experience just so Uh, I know that when we talked, you talked up up some uh, points league action, which I hate. Um, Totally fine. I want everybody to do what they love. Me being mostly football in the beginning, I just fell into head-to-head for baseball. And it just the traditional five-by-five league where I have always sort of played the bulk of my fantasy baseball. Uh, And I'll I'll ask about daily as well. Like I've dabbled in MLB DFS for this will be my third season now with sort of mixed results I've definitely had some some decent times and some really bad times so so that's my question like what's what's Haji's preferred uh well I mean for years I played
0: standard you know category head-to-head um run-of-the-mill leagues um and then I would say about five years ago or so I really jumped into uh, the points leagues and um the ability to customize those to um, really make it seem more fair um I guess kind of what we had talked about, um, before the pod, you know, like in a category, it doesn't really matter if you win by one or if you win by 80, whereas those points can add up. If you actually do have, uh, you know, players who have just that excellent week, or, uh, if you have the, the batter who who is getting those extra base hits, um, rather than just power or stolen bases and average, I mean, um, a walk isn't a waste of that bat in a points league. You know, it's, it's huge. You got a guy on base and now he can do something with it. Um, whereas five by five, a walk is, it doesn't hurt you, but it doesn't really help you. It doesn't hurt your average, but you need them to score to get that run. Um, so I've really adjusted towards points leagues and that's what I prefer, but I do still play in a couple category leagues. Um, but that's probably because I just play in too many leagues as it is. So um not, Looking to cut that down, but I know I'm in too many. Um, and you say that you're a category guy based on on football. Um, so where is the um, negative feeling towards the points? Why haven't you turned that that way yet?
1: I don't. I don't think it's negative towards points, but like what they're good at. Um, it's, this is going to sound really bad for somebody that is doing a fantasy baseball podcast, but I've almost been like a lazy fantasy baseball player because. For so long, I just drafted the stat guys, like give me the 20 home run, 20 stolen base threat and let me completely ignore pitching until the the twilight of my draft. That worked, whether it was like your cousin's league or, you know, slightly more competitive league. Well, really last year, like, I I mean, I drafted fantastic hitting teams and the past two years, like when I've gone back and there's my like all is ignoring pitching and it if you're not like looking back a little bit i think you're you're not you should be having fun like it's the whole point of of all of this because it is fun you know i mean it, like i had one team last year that had stanton and aaron judge on it and i went with just this team that could mash i mean it they just could mash everything but my pitching was god-awful and it and i had some injuries Anytime I've kind of stepped into that point setting, it's just not what I'm familiar with, and I miss out on some of the guys that format. really. It's not really that that I have in my head. I love Billy Hamilton in head head formats, but I know in on base leagues he's going to take a little bit of a hit just because he's not getting on base. But I mean, you're not drafting him for walks anyway, right? Like, do you? There's a question. Like, do you devalue Billy Hamilton because his his OBP is not great? I think he's somewhere around like the three tens for his career, maybe.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's definitely something to look at. You know, in a in a points league, he's, he's going to get you those stolen bases. He's going to get you the runs, but it is a little bit devalued, I guess. So maybe whereas you're drafting him in a categories league and saying, okay, this guy's going to help me compete on a weekly basis or in a roto league for the season on stolen bases, I'm set there. In a points league, you almost have to take another look at it before you would draft him and say, you know, does the risk outweigh the reward here? And Hamilton showed steady improvement, I think, throughout his career. Um, as long as he's in and as long as he's healthy, um, he's he's a fine player to roster, to start, um, and he's going to help you out. But yeah, he may be an actual player that is better in a categories league than in a points league, unless points are really inflated for steals. Um, the one thing I wanted to ask you about then was – you said that um, your pitching was was down, and that you had some injuries and stuff. And there seemed to be a lot of pitcher injuries last year. Uh, it seems to be going up. And then you have teams like the Dodgers who utilize that 10-day DL and kind of create a six-man rotation. Does that Just make you yep the Astros? Does that make you shy away from taking those pitchers early, or do you want to take the big-name pitchers early and hope for health rather than bank on number three or number four starters and yeah i mean it, you it's want to here. Take a shot i mean i know a guard bumgarner even kershaw had some health problems last year so if you had them you know you you took a hit so what what is the strategy with injury situations and in pitchers
1: i think if you take any pitcher in the early going you're you're immediately building in a little bit more risk and be more prone to to injury i just it just depends on like the format and it depends on how you're drafting snake draft versus an auction draft. If it's a snake, I'm early on in the first round, I'm taking a hitter. Like I'm not, I'm not passing on Mike Trout to take Clayton Kershaw. I don't care or less steals or whatever. I'm still taking Trout. It would, it be, if I'm looking at a pitcher in first round, there's only one guy taking the first round and it's Kershaw. And it, I'd probably have to be stuck at the very end of the first round to do that. But it, yeah, I think you're building in more risk, but it at the same time, I mean, it when the so I talked about this on the solo pod and I need to get your take on it because I'm having a hard time my draft strategy from this idea or I mean it's a fact, there's in the majors there's been a power surge, not a uh, like not inconsistent with like steroid era isolated power numbers if you look at it. I just I spent oh, a few days ago just looking at it, and it so baseball introduced uh league-wide testing for pds in 2003 and it if you look at the isolated power numbers they kind of hung on until like 2006 isolated power mark was in the one it was in the 160s i think it was like 163 it dipped all the way until 2016 high 140s like 148 149 or like 152 155 and then it wasn't back in the 160s until two years ago in 2016. So in 2016, we all of a sudden had this power that was like right in line with like the pinnacle of the steroid era. In 17, we had where league ISO was over 170. So it was 171. And last year in the MLB, than in any other year ever. So still test for PED. So it's last year, the ball got talked about a lot like the seams on the ball are lower. And I talked about that on the first pod. I'm not a scientist, but like the ball, there've been a lot of tests that have been done on it. If you just Google like juiced baseball, pulls on 538 and the ringer and Yahoo. Those are the three main ones that I looked at. So shout out to those three outlets for uh, hooking me up, but it's just, it's difficult not to look at all that. And then ways like, yes, there's more power. So ERAs are rising, So if I have a Clayton Kershaw, whose ERA is going to be below three right now, if you draft a starter in the middle rounds, going to be over four. Like it's like a good, a good pitcher right now will have an ERA of over four and he'll probably strike out people. And that's totally fine and totally acceptable. Whereas a few years ago, an ERA over four was not, it was a bad thing. Now it's like, you know, who gives a rip as long as I'm getting the strikeouts. So the flip side is if I can get a Clayton Kershaw where the ERA is, that's a big deal. So, like, I've been a guy that drafted hitters for a decade. This year, I'm not going to shy away from Clayton Kershaw on the first. And I, I said this on the solo pod. I was going to look at pictures, like, where I would draft them. And I did that a little bit. It'd be nice to know where. And, like, I would – there's a few guys that I would take in uh, all the way through, like, round four. There are definitely a lot of arms that that I would look at.
0: Sure. So yeah, like, I, I – I completely agree with you, you know, like what's what's going on. I, I'm a believer that the ball has changed. Um, I mean, outlets have reported on it. Um, the pitchers with um, their blisters, I mean, they feel the effects of the ball. Um, it sounds like it's a different ball than what they come up from the minor leagues using. Um, there's just too many signs that point to uh, a change. And um, I don't know if that will go away. Opening day 2018, if they'll start to phase it out. And we'll see a change if they'll leave it this way you know who who knows because um as the old commercials used to say chicks dig the long ball like they want to see the home runs they like it everybody likes it fans like it i mean some of those world series games were instant classics just because of the back and forth on home runs Um, yeah
1: i don't i don't think it's going away
0: no and i think it would be a mistake if it did i i think between the ball and the fly ball revolution I think it's it's been great for the game, and when you are still testing for PEDs or any other types of substances, and these guys are passing, then you know they're doing it on their own. It's it's good for the game. They're they're showing this can be done, and um, I know you said on the first pod you think Stanton could on that. I I may I may definitely take
1: the under. That may be a year long bet that we have to look into. But I do oh, hear your argument. We'd have to set that line. Like I wouldn't set that line at seventy. But I
0: yeah that's I, a, that's I, a pretty I, easy under I think if you're given seventy
1: I I'll set it at sixty that doesn't bother me at all because then all I need for that is like
0: coming off fifty nine that's a tough line how do you feel about that line we'll have to put some thought into that one but I may I may still take the under that that's still a ton of home runs but one thing but I it's also
1: it's only one more than play. last year so I need I need to it's only one more than he hit last year so I, I should man up a little bit so what if I set the line we take it if I set it at sixty five. Sixty-five. I'll take the under. You'll take the under. So five. Um, I win, right? I got. I got it. Yep. Yep. You can have sixty-five and over. All right. Done. That's the first. Uh, that's the first bet. It's not a beer bet for me. No offense to Peter or Clark or anybody. Yeah. I'm like slamming back the water over here so I can be hydrated. Podcast <laughs> editor Pete. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know what we can put on that. But I'll. I just man, standing in the Bronx. Yep. When you, especially when you talk about, it's a a part boost, and uh, you talk about that ball and how it's bouncier. Um, I mean, it, like less drag on the ball. And again, shout out to uh, the Ringer and Yahoo and Five Thirty Eight. I cannot remember the three writers who who worked on those articles, but they're super informative if you just Google "juiced baseball." It will not surprise me if he crushes sixty-five home runs. So I'll take it because it's fun. And that's that's why I'm here. I wanna have fun. So one thing I don't know what that is, is, though.
0: Power numbers are up all over the board, but there's still a big difference between a guy who hits thirty-eight home runs and the guy who hits eighteen home runs. Like just because the guy used to hit nine and now he's hitting eighteen, I see the argument that everybody's doing it, but I still don't find the same value there to start to devalue the power numbers, if that makes sense. I still want that guy that hits the 30 to 40 range, and I'm not going to devalue it and say, you know, everybody does it. I'm still going to take him there because he's going to do it. Whereas you don't know that a guy is necessarily going to double his previous power just because everybody's doing it, just because of the ISO, just because of the ball. I mean, it's very possible, but you still want to go with the tried and true
1: everybody's not hitting 40, which is the deal. Like it people that hit 40. And that's something else I looked at as well. I think two years ago there were eight people that hit 40. Um, so I mean, there are definitely outliers where, yes, I'm going to pull the trigger on Stanton, trigger on Judge. Um, we'll see where Jay Martinez lands, but he's he's another name. Those are three out of the four from last year. The fourth one from last year was Joey Gallo, who – just as another philosophical thing, don't draft the guys that are batting average sinkholes, and it's that's a that's a head-to-head thing for me. I don't want somebody that's just going to completely drain me in one category. Gallo is probably not somebody I will ever own this year, unless it's for uh, DFS head-to-head leagues. I gotta I gotta have somebody making some contact. No offense to Joey Gallo, because he can he can square it up like your boy Grichuk that just got traded to Toronto. Mm -hmm. the first the first point is we'll segue there but the the answer is like yeah there are definitely guys that are outliers enough that i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and draft them stanton is the most obvious one to me um judge because i mean a lot of people are hitting 30 not a lot of people are hitting 40 and both of those guys hit over 50 last year so i mean i'm gonna i'm gonna take it with judge and stanton i'm not gonna Sure. Or it's more like at other spots, you know. Like it, if I know I can ignore first base for time, and still get a guy that's got a chance to to bash twenty eight to thirty home runs it, at other, I might do it. And you can you can almost do that with any position. And Randall Grichuk is a good example. Like if I decide I want to punt my fourth outfield spot or my first or second utility spot, Grichuk in the twilight hours of my draft. And I know you have him in in one of your leagues. Protected him, right? You yep, didn't I say did.
0: I protected him from a because rule five, and I'm glad the trade came before the the rule five deadline. Um, but yeah, otherwise I think he would have been game.
1: somebody else's dude.
0: Yeah, and I think this is I think the trade to Toronto is just going to open up a lot of opportunity for him that he wasn't going to see in St. Louis um, since the Ozuna trade to St. Louis is uh, going to block some doors there with that loaded outfield.
1: Yeah, so I told you while I while I was getting ready, I was looking at Randall Gritchick's propaganda. The, here's the propaganda. And uh, if you go to this awesome website called Baseball Savant, it is already organized by per plate appearance. And it don't ask me to define barrels because they don't even define it on their website. You can find the definition on MLB.com, but it has a lot to do with when it comes off of the bat. And then there's a uh, component as well for this batted ball event known as a barrel, which basically means a lot of times good things are going to happen based on how hard you hit it and based on, like, which direction you hit it. And here, Randall Gritchick was number one, two, three, four, five. He was number six in all of the major leagues. And who are the top five? So top five are a lot of obvious names um, that you would imagine. So Aaron Judge is... Giancarlo Carlos Stanton, Joey Gallo, and then Randall Grichuk. So he is keeping some elite company mm-hmm. in uh, the the realm of can he like square up the ball when he actually makes contact. So his obvious Achilles' heel is he needs to make a lot more contact. Um, upgrade leaving uh, leaving the Cardinals, going to Toronto, and he's young. He's 26, and the Blue Jays have him under control through 2020. He said that he's basically gonna log more at bats than anybody else at the corner outfield spot. So I mean forty-nine hitter. I, I mean, dude, if he hits two forty five and he cranks thirty-five home runs, I'm I'm good. It makes me happy. I'm I'm just excited he gets to play. Lewis, he was blocked. And when you see a trade like this, it's nice that okay, now uh now we know what the St. Louis Cardinals outfield looks like and now we know that we am steady at bats. So mm-hmm. it's like a win. It's a win all the way around. Yeah, that was actually a nice little uh,
0: first round for the Angels back in 2009, I believe, back-to-back picks. They took Grichik, and then they took a guy that you may have heard of named Mike Trout with their second of back-to-back picks. So Grichik can at least hold that over Trout's head if uh, he doesn't live up to our expectations that we're setting for him here with the elite company. But um, I think good things are ahead for him in Toronto, and uh, if he's there towards the end of a draft in a a deeper league, I think he's worth uh, a flyer on. take him and, and see what happens. The worst you can do is every day at bats. Um, so always worth a shot in the dark.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's the whole volume versus efficiency thing that we would talk about in football a lot, but I mean, he, he definitely has opportunity. Yep. that's opportunity. Exactly
0: the, the football argument turned baseball, you know, football, it's talent versus.
1: Yeah. And with Gritchick right now, he's going to have a bunch of opportunity. So, man, I know Toronto just signed Curtis Granderson in the interest of, uh, um, I don't think they've announced it yet. I was reading that yesterday. He's got He still, I don't has think to, the term for it was closed.
0: No, the agreement is there one year, just a one year deal, but he may just be a, okay. a bench signing.
1: Yeah. He looks like depth to me. I mean, I know I love Granderson. He's another one of those guys that I've drafted for years. Cause it's that whole power speed thing. Yep. And because his, his batting average wasn't Joey Gallo's Forty two fifty. If I know I'm going to places, but, uh, yeah, in Toronto Granderson looked like a bench bat to me. I assume they were waiting on a physical or something, but I haven't read about it today. Um, yeah, that, I'm,
0: I'm sure that He's
1: gonna play. I'm
0: sure that uh, is a situation with Granderson. You know, you just got to dot the i's and cross the t's there. But the last I saw, it was agreed in principle, and Granderson should probably be on on Toronto this next season. But I think he'll stay. I there really he'll... isn't much else outside of Pilar and, and Hernandez that'll keep Grichik on the on the bench. So. I'm not too worried about that now. I, I think it's an it's an excellent move for him.
1: Yeah, he's he's young. He can he can actually play any any position. He's not played a whole lot of center field, but Turner and he has played some centers, so I think he's fantastic. We're talking about him like he's the greatest thing ever. We've spent a lot of time on yeah,
0: Randall Richard. I think we, he's not yeah, the greatest
1: thing in Yours the move. I do like it. We do. Yeah. So all right. I'm gonna awkwardly segue into asking about speed and stolen bases. I tried said a lot of numbers on the first pod. I think it probably got confusing. I'm actually working on just putting it into article format. So it's easy to access mainly for myself, but if anybody else wants to look at it, but this is our buddy, Brian at fake teams already talked about it a little bit this year. Um, And so I went again that day. I spent about an hour on Fangraphs, which is the best site ever, by the way, and just looked at stolen bases over the last like 10, 15 years. And it, there's i said it on the first pod like there's this surplus of home runs and eras are rising for me maybe not for you as much but the home run is devalued i'm looking a little bit harder at elite elite starting pitchers because over four three i'm super happy about it and then this third trend that we have is stolen base numbers going down so for me in my head-to-head formats, give me all the D. Gordon and all the Billy Hamilton and all the Christian Yelich, and anybody I think that has a reasonable chance to to be a Jackrabbit, they are probably going to be on my team this year. So, what do you think? What's your take on speed? Do you I, think it's scarce? How about that? Yes, does it scare you? Um,
0: stolen bases are going down. Um, I think I think pitchers are uh, improving. Um, I think base running almost seems like it's getting worse. Um, to be totally honest with you. Um, And guys aren't risking the injuries. I mean, how many times did we see last year? Guys got hurt on the base paths. Um, Sometimes the risk just doesn't outweigh the reward. Um, So we're seeing a big drop-off, I think, in steals. But there are a lot of solid late-round players that I think you can still kind of steal that um, power-speed combo with Um, if you can get a guy, uh, you know, that will win a spot. You know, you have guys like Whit Merrifield or um, Tommy Pham um, guys like that I know you know we want to talk about Mike Trout and Mookie Betts the guys that have as many home runs as they do stolen bases and have the potential to have a 30-30 season but you know you could get a guy at the end of the draft like a Keon Broxton who could technically have a 2020 season I mean the potential is there I know I'm a Brewers homer potential is there uh, for hey,
1: Austin, I can't do it I'm sure he's a nice guy <laughs> Well it's just if, it's if, the if, average, if, man.
0: If you take what Whit Merrifield did last year, was there I loved him last year. He's a little old. It took him a little bit to to get around. I think I think he's twenty nine, but he may still have a couple of good seasons. In a redraft league, why not? You know, take him. Take him when he's there. Really pick on him. And you can get five twenty-five season out of him.
1: So it, it goes both ways though, like c- because his track record is not very long. You have the same risk with Merrifield that you have with about like power surge and like do or same deal with Merrifield where he's only really shown it to us for one year. You think he'll be later middle round pick. I mean, a lot of people are going to look at that, uh, that stat line from last year and be all over that because he was close to 2020. And then Fam, I think Fam's a legitimate, like he'll be, I don't, I'm, I'm, my mocks are behind, but I bet he's a fifth rounder. I mean, it, he's, you're going to have to pay for what Tommy Pham did last year, which I don't know if I want to do because he's another late bloomer that we don't often see in the major leagues. So, um, I mentioned Brian. Brian brought this up at fake teams. Like they're, they're not, there were not a lot of guys you could have found off of waivers last year to, to give you some speed, whereas there were plenty of guys that you could find if you needed power. And it and I said I was gonna do it for this pod and I didn't, but I need to start looking at speed and see like where I those guys are gonna be able to take. And I, I don't I don't think there's gonna be a whole lot. I don't think there's gonna be a ton of them. There's pass where you know you can draft like Juan Pierre and he's gonna steal 35 a boost. I don't I don't know that there are tons of those guys. Well, I think, I don't think that, there are
0: right. I think the way that the league is set up with the players that we have, um, more guys hit for power than have the speed to steal those bases. And you're gonna have a couple who get, you know, the the outlier stolen base in there, but you're more apt to find a guy that will hit fifteen home runs in the last well findings over the last two months. Oh, no, um, just speed with, you know, only a little bit of power
1: is for the... Uh, hey, Hash, can you hear me? Hodge, can you hear me? Yeah. All right, sorry. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I don't know what happened right there. Um, I know you, you were saying, yeah, you can find that guy with a little bit of power at the NU drafts. So I was going to try to sneak in the name Mitch Moreland, but it, it kept buzzing out on me. So there you go, Mitch Moreland. Adam, tell me tell me thoughts. How about that? Tell me, tell me your Mitch Moreland take. I'm such a homer, by the way. Oh, well, he's
0: so much more valuable in a points league nice than he is in a head to head. I agree. Maybe I was he, hoping you would say that. Oh yeah. I mean, he's a doubles machine. Um, I think when I was kind of looking through, he, um, looking through rankings, he's about 10 spots higher at first base in a points league than he is in a head to head categories league. And you know, that's based on walks and it's based on extra base hits. It's, it's huge. So yeah, in a points league late in a draft, I
1: think he's worthy of a steal too. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's, I talked about it in the article I wrote. Um, it's because of that big, big green monster out there. So he just, he's going to smack doubles off of that wall. Um, you know, I don't know. I, Mitch is from my hometown. So it's easy, it's easy to root for a guy that came from your hometown. So I follow, I follow him probably more than I would otherwise, but it it's just nice to see. So it's also, it's nice to see the contract too, because he's a, he's a frugal, a frugal dude compared to most of these uh, MLB ball players. So when Moreland signs for two years, 13 million. I assume that in his brain, going into this year, he's thinking like, "Man, I am set. Like now, I just get to chill out and play ball and crush these doubles and home runs and and live it up and make all these uh, whiny Boston fans that are crying over Eric Hosmer remember who I am." So I'm I'm super excited. Yeah, Travis Shaw. Yeah, yeah. All that he might come back, but it. I mean, they've got they've already got the the 21 year old Devers. So I don't I don't I just saw that float around the other day. Like, would Shaw go back to Boston? So. Who knows, man? All right. So this is where we were going to do our World Series picks, and the technology got a little screwy, so we're just going to have to save that for Episode 3. Haji and I really appreciate everybody following along, and hope you guys have a great week. See you.